This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. And welcome back to White Ladies in Crisis. It's a podcast dedicated to white women losing their marbles. I am Joe Lipset, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Gina Radcliffe. Hello. As well as Jen Adams. Hello. And for February, Gina decided that she was feeling a little sadomasochistic and (laughs) she picked the perfection and folks were just going to say this is a movie that can definitely be spoiled and it also should have some content warnings for sexual assault attached to it so if you haven't seen the film we are going to talk about all the little details oh my gosh i just did a patrick hamilton didn't i (laughs) (laughs) he'll be honored (laughs) we're gonna unpack the perfection in all of its gory details with the hopes of finding out (laughs) yeah patrick i love you so the perfection gina i'm curious why did you decide that you wanted to watch this one well i figured that we needed to we needed to eventually get around to a movie featuring allison williams who seems to have cornered the market and playing white ladies in crisis (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah this came out uh, i believe the same year that that she was in uh, in Get Out, where mm-hmm. uh, she was an evil white lady in Crisis. Not not all of our <laughs> not all of our not all of the ladies we cover are 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 evil, mm-hmm. uh, but she she was very very bad. Right. She would also occasionally play a white lady in Crisis on girls. Right. But this seems to you know ch- check off all the boxes that we uh, we like to cover up to this point on this show. Hmm. Yeah, and actually, thank you for sort of doing a gentle segue here, Gina. So it seems that there's maybe a little bit of confusion about the name of the podcast, which we have selected somewhat ironically, and it's more about a reflection of the kinds of stories that Hollywood seems to be interested in telling, which Mm -hmm. is about women who are losing their marbles, but it's often white women to the detriment of women of color, men of color. Mm-hmm. minority groups of any kind very rarely show up in this so we're kind of taking a stab at the sorts of stories that people like to tell so if folks have maybe misinterpreted the title of the show hopefully that helps to clear some of the intentionality up mm-hmm. yeah we're not trying we're not trying to promote all these characters as being necessarily heroines they're mostly the protagonists of, yeah. of, mm-hmm. of the movies we're covering yeah, and I think sometimes there is a, a discrepancy between what would be a crisis for a white character and what yeah. is, right. you know, Very just kind of every day for people without the privilege that many white mm-hmm. people have. Yes, we are talking about a certain level of class and privilege, aren't mm-hmm. we? Yeah, and I think this movie is a really good kind of way to look at this. And I think this movie has two characters that are really kind of on equal footing, but subtly frames or centers the white character, you know, and there's even a scene at the very end where there's a lot of shit going down and the camera is solely on her, Alison Mm -hmm. Williams, and we don't even see the other action, which, you know, I think that was intentional because of the story they are telling for the character, but it's not, I don't necessarily think it's a coincidence that that character is the white character, you know? 
Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with that. Like when I look at this film, I think that Logan Browning as Lizzie is doing a great job. I absolutely Mm -hmm. love this actress, have loved her in Dear White People on Netflix, which is where I was first introduced to her. And I love that she's kind of playing a variation of that same character. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, the perfection to me does seem like it's just that much more interested in Alison Williams' character, Charlotte, because she's the one who's instigating a lot of the action, right? Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, she's the one who is quote-unquote rescuing Lizzie from the grasp of Anton and this super fucking nefarious cello academy mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah this would make a uh i would this would either make a a great or terrible double feature with suspiria i was, I was thinking, thinking that, that. yeah because yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of there's a lot of similar elements you've got the mm-hmm. you've got the emotionally fragile young woman who is just getting over the death of her mother Oh, you've yeah. got you've got these very sinister teachers. Now, to be fair, in the in the perfection, there's nothing supernatural going on, but but mm-hmm. there's still that sort of very unnerving something is very wrong here feeling to to you know, every aspect of it. Yeah. Well, and you have classical mm-hmm. music horror also, which is right. I think right. my su- superficial connection. Like I will geek out all day over ballet and cellos. So. inject horror into that and i'm sold i feel like we're getting a a glimpse into jen's psyche here oh yeah just welcome to my weirdness everyone well i'm i'm interested so the first time that you saw this film because as i mentioned off the top this is a film that can be spoiled and i wonder what did the two of you know of this film and where did the shock the surprise, the success of this film come into play when you were watching it? Um, I reviewed this movie when it first came out. So okay. I I saw, I watched a screener for it. I went in not really knowing anything about it. And I, I think I actually said out loud, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but at what point did you do that? Um, I think... The, at the point after, and again, for our listeners, this is spoiling it, after you realize that Lizzie and Charlotte are, are working together mm-hmm. towards the end of okay. the movie. And like after after Lizzie has kidnapped Charlotte and brought her back to the Academy, realize this has all been a very long game they're playing to, to, mm-hmm. to trick Anton and Paloma. Paloma, mm-hmm. that was her name, right? It is. Yeah. You're forgiven for forgetting her name because she's not a character. And it's actually one of my big <laughs> complaints in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just rewatched it yesterday. So I remember Paloma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm always frustrated. I'm like, don't give me a female villain who is watching men sexually assault young girls and not do something more with her. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that could very well be the point, but I never find it satisfying enough. Like when she just dies, I'm always left wanting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she does pee herself beforehand. That's pretty she satisfying. Does. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I remember like along when this came out, I wrote something about it. And I remember writing the paragraph or the sentence, Paloma is a story for another day because there's a lot there. Mm. But I feel like that's the movie's approach to her, too. You know, it's like she is here and there is a lot we could say about her because she is fully aware of everything that's happening. But Mm -hmm. they it's just and I mean, to be fair, there's a lot going on in this movie. But, you know, yeah, I I wanted Paloma (laughs) to I wanted a little bit of um, 
I don't know, catharsis from her character. Yeah. That we don't get. Okay, so Jen, what about you? Was there a moment where you ahad or gasped? Oh, yes. I, yeah, I went in knowing absolutely nothing about this. I had heard Allison Williams um, on a podcast talking about it and wasn't even really, I was kind of half listening. And so I don't think I really connected it, but she was very, very cagey about spoiling anything. She was mm. really said, go in fresh, like go in knowing nothing about it. And that's what I did. So I was just really shocked by all of the twists and turns. And I'm not really one to try to outguess a movie either. So I just kind of was along for the ride with this one. Ooh. And and it was very satisfying in that regard. I absolutely love this movie. There's a moment that I cry every time I watch it. There's a moment like I gasped, I think the first time it rewinds itself. Mm-hmm. And then the, Gina, the moment that you mentioned also um, was very shocking for me and in a good way. And I will say mm-hmm. like, this is now the third time I've watched it. And some of the, the scenes are starting to show you know, like there are some logical leaps that I think you have to take to be on board oh, for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. 100% for sure. Yeah. 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 But I think what I get out of this movie, which is probably what we're going to talk about in a little bit, helps me overlook a lot of that. Like I still really love what this movie is doing and what it is, even when it's not exactly what I want it to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was an interesting one for me because I had been cued to it by Trace, my co-host on Horror Queers, because he had seen it the previous fall at Fantastic Fest. So Mm -hmm. he was giddy with the excitement of discovering this film. Like he saw Mm -hmm. it at its debut Mm -hmm. and then wouldn't shut the fuck up about it for months. (laughs) So we knew we were going to cover it. And I, unlike you, Gina, I could not get Netflix to give me a teaser or a screener for this. I had begged them every month and then every week and then every day leading up to the release of this. They would not cough it up. So I ended up getting up first thing in the morning so as to not be spoiled. I was actually not working a nine to five at the time. So I got up on a Friday morning, plopped myself down on the couch and just hit play knowing nothing except that it was twisty. Mm -hmm. And I remember my gasp aha moment is it was the moment that lizzie cuts off her hand Mm -hmm. but it wasn't until after the fact that i realized where does allison williams get that cleaver from and then when Mm -hmm. you do the rewind and you realize holy shit she planned that whole thing and then from there the whole movie just it unravels but like you said jen in a very satisfying way right because Mm -hmm. it's not the movie you thought it was I thought it was going to be a contagion film because of Me that too. dude who's coughing up in the subway. Mm-hmm. And to a certain extent, I remember on the first watch, it never completely recovered for me because I was in love with that first act. Mm-hmm. I loved it mm-hmm. so much. I almost wanted the whole film to be that. But then mm-hmm. I realized kind of like films like One Cut of the Dead or other things where you're like, the film you are watching is not the film that you are watching. You have mm-hmm. to be able to roll with those punches or else you're just mm-hmm. not going to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that it takes that approach because there, that, that sequence is so long mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. it's so good at building up. It just... I, the, the watching it a second time, I really got into the the feeling of this and just the idea of how mm-hmm. horrifying it would be to be violently ill, like yep. out in the middle of nowhere in a country where you don't speak the language. Yep. <laughs> and, and just the idea of like just how, how horrifying that would be. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I love it because I feel like even when you know what's coming and what uh, Charlotte is doing to Lizzie, it doesn't diminish any of the impact. Like I am living vicariously through Lizzie and I'm having Mm -hmm. the most anxiety ridden experience. It's honestly one of my most tense viewing experiences I've maybe ever seen in a horror film because I feel so badly for her because Mm -hmm. in that position, I would be flipping the fuck out. Mm-hmm. My my question is, and I remain unsure of this uh, after the second time, so is Charlotte just putting the idea in Lizzie's head that, that there are bugs in her? I think because she knows that the drugs will cause hallucinations and that they will be more vivid with alcohol, she knows that she can probably say something. So yeah. she cues her to say, there's a bug on your jacket to plant the suggestion when they first get on the bus. And then mm. she just kind of leans into that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she wasn't actually, she wasn't actually like throwing up maggots and stuff like that, no. right? No, like no. she was just like hallucinating that. Yes. Okay. But it took me a watch or two to really get that through my head mm-hmm. it's like no there really weren't the bugs and if you look at them like it is very like clear that they're not you know they look like created or hallucinated bugs you know mm-hmm. uh, but i wonder if if lizzie had started seeing other things she probably would have leaned into like oh it's snakes or something yeah. you know yeah exactly yeah yeah quite the devious plan there Charlotte. oh boy <laughs> oh yeah. man I mean, I think Charlotte went a little harder than she needed to. (laughs) Just a a skosh. (laughs) You know what you have to do. Which I love that that is like one of the images that is associated with this movie is her just holding up this butcher knife because Mm -hmm. it, it, it simultaneously is and is not what this movie is, you know? Right. She's, just like, you have, she's like, you have to cut it off. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't know about you two, but I, like, I was denied a theatrical viewing experience for mm-hmm. this film, right? Because it just goes to Netflix. So we sit on the couch and watch it often by mm-hmm. ourselves. And Trace told me that people didn't know whether or not to laugh or be surprised or gasp mm. out loud at that moment so like the reaction in the theater was so confused but they were all really <laughs> on board with the film whereas with mm. me i it never occurred to me to laugh at that because i was so surprised and then mm. i realized the image of allison williams just yeah we're in the middle of fucking nowhere this rock quarry and she just has a cleaver in her hand it's hilarious when mm. you think about it <laughs> Just had it in her purse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's on top of all of this. Like, it's very distressing, but there's a lot of, like, poo horror also, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just like you're on edge, but it's in this not knowing if I should laugh, I feel like is a very, like, understandable reaction to a lot of that stretch, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and, like, you know, who's among us isn't, af- isn't afraid of, like, just becoming so sick we just start shitting ourselves and and, uh-huh. and and throwing up and being stuck somewhere where we can't get to a restroom. I mean, that's just, that's a very yeah. basic fear, you know, most people have. And yet a lot of horror movies just don't go there. Right. No. Just that, that she is afraid that she's not, like, she knows that she's going to shit herself in front of all these people. She just mm-hmm. doesn't want to do it on the bus, you know? And just the minute distinction of those two things is just heartbreaking and horrifying all at the same time. And gross and a little, like, juvenilely funny, you know? 
Yeah, it's almost a fascinating intersection of what we would normally call body horror, right? Like Mm -hmm. when she pukes and we see maggots or when she looks at her arm and it's pulsating with these kind of spider bugs, we think, oh yeah, body horror. Oh, that's really good. But honestly, Mm -hmm. the idea of shitting yourself in a public venue in front of a bunch of people on a ride that won't stop, that Mm -hmm. also sounds like body horror to me. Like you're afraid of your human bodily functions. Oh, right. absolutely. Yeah, right. I have not seen the new Green Inferno, but I've heard Ugh. that there is a moment like that. I mean, I don't plan to because for lots of reasons, but that is also an uncontrollable facet of your own body, you know, that is mm-hmm. also horrifying. Yeah, it's just, it's your, it's, you know, it's, it's the old, you know, your body betraying you. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I will say it, this is... I don't know if exciting is the right word to use, but it's a very different kind of direction than a lot of the other films that we've been able to talk about thus far, right? Because Mm -hmm. typically what we're seeing is relatively grounded realism. And this Mm -hmm. is, I mean, the fact that director Richard Shepard and the two writers, Eric Charmello and Nicole Snyder, were inspired by like Korean cinema like uh park chan walk and the Mm. handmaiden and stoker and the vengeance trilogy and stuff not at all surprising when you get the tonal whiplash that this film is doing but i love Mm. that it is playing on those kinds of more sensational elements of the genre Mm -hmm. well and i think there's less of a preoccupation with making these two women look gorgeous all the way through you know I mean that is definitely something that is I think a big part of the opening of the film and some of those dresses are just fantastic Ah. and then then we have the whole cello sex scene which I also Mm -hmm. want to talk about but like I, I feel like a lot of the films that we have been watching especially films from a couple of decades ago like it's almost like they could not let the women look like real women or have real oh God, no. things happen to their bodies, you know. And I, I love the the kind of freedom to to be extremely hot and sexual and then 10 minutes later be puking and shitting all over the place, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like that's what real people are, you know. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And even like when we get to the, I mean, I don't want to jump all the way to the end. uh, So maybe I'll just make an observation that we can jump back. But Mm -hmm. there's a moment I remember it was very prominently featured in the trailer for this movie, which I went back and watched after I had seen the film. But there's Mm -hmm. a shot of Alison Williams when she is in the chair and she has been tied up. Mm -hmm. And it's a like a point of view shot of her stilettos under this giant beautiful dress but Mm -hmm. also she's got ankle chains on so you're seeing Mm -hmm. the stilettos and the handcuffs and you're just like yep that's another image that reflects what this movie is because it's gorgeous and it's fucked up Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah gorgeous and fucked up would be a good pull quote for this yes yeah and also like this this control and repression hiding under this like these billows mm-hmm. of gorgeousness you know oh yeah like this movie is obsessed with imagery right like mm-hmm. the kind of facade that people put on because i remember it took me aback when i first saw it and it was like oh there's steven weber what has he been doing he looks really good <laughs> he's got this mm-hmm. hot wife and then you're like oh he's the biggest piece of shit and also look forward to seeing his dick later yep <laughs> Do we think that actually is his dick? 
Oh, it could go either way. I mean, I I joke because it's not as though we're actually seeing it in all of its yes, glory, it's but like blurry. you can make out the outline and yeah. the length and girth. I didn't pause, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, if it were actually not a body double, I think they would have just shown everything, you know? Mm. The fact that it's mm-hmm. blurry makes me think that it actually is. Also, he's, you know, he's a man of a certain age. Like he right. he seems like he's getting into his kind of about Schmidt acting phase, you know? Like, yeah. like a certain I don't give a fuck kind of vibe. Yeah. Mm. What do I have to lose? Let's show everything. Exactly. I already got wings under my belt. You know, I'm already <laughs> super dreamy. <laughs> I mean, I oh, love Stephen Webb. Oh, Jen. <laughs> you almost made it 20 minutes in. <laughs> I know. Oh, so close. <laughs> yeah, I do. I love Stephen Weber. I don't know what it is about him. It's probably just because I watched Wings when I was little and I just really liked that show because I also have a huge crush on Tim Daly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even though I don't think I would like that show now if I went back and watched it and I don't probably have the same not. feelings for Thomas Hayden Church. No. So what do we think of the character of Anton and the slow evolution of how we learn who he truly is? I think one of the most chilling moments in the entire film is his slow smile when he is talking to Allison, you know, when she says, I have to save her from you. And then he's like, what? Uh, mm-hmm. what? And then he just looks at her. He's like, okay, fine. We both know what we're talking about. And it just, the delivery of that look is so unnerving, especially coming from somebody I'm used to like really siding with and seeing as a protagonist and kind of a lovable kind of doofus a little bit, you know? Yeah. It's fun. It's, it's fun to see, uh, actors who you generally you know from playing you know regular guys you know just you know do a good job of playing complete and utter scumbags just Mm -hmm. just just absolutely irredeemable monsters Mm -hmm. right i mean it's funny that you both say that because i feel like one of his i don't know maybe it's giving him too much credit because single white females obviously jennifer jason lee and bridget honda's movie but Mm -hmm. i i often think of Steven Weber in a prominent film role and that's the role that I associate him with and I'm like oh but he's mm. a Lothario and a sleazebag in that he's, no, he's, <laughs> definitely, he's definitely shitty in that but he's not a monster he's just no. you know kind of this like just callow asshole in it yeah and he's Fair. a bit of a callow asshole in Wings too it's just there's something right. lovable about him I think the thing the biggest thing I connect him with now aside from Wings is that he reads the It audiobook which I've listened oh. to many times, and he does he does it very well. And you know that's a long book, but I th- I uh, think of him as the the best part of the otherwise extremely misguided The Shining. Uh, the Shining. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think he did okay. I think he I did think pretty so good as as Jack Torrance, but unfortunately, he was the only good part about it. Yeah, I mean, I liked Rebecca De Mornay in that too, but all, right. but yes, I agree. The rest of it, but but he's done a lot of Stephen King McGarris stuff. He was also in Desperation. That is true. Right. With this little super hot 90s thumb ring. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I know, I'm trying to court to help it. <laughs> he just has my heart. But even in a movie like this where he is just unforgivable, like even when he has not had that turn, he's still an asshole. Mm-hmm. Well, he's, he's very smarmy. Mm-hmm. He tries to pull that whole over like a family here, but it's very transactional. Mm-hmm. Right. You're only good to him for him as long as you can keep you know, producing for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's funny to watch. Like, this is a film I think that really benefits on rewatch at least the second time, you know, because once you know 
who his character is going to be. It casts every other scene with him in that light of control and manipulation. And I like was thinking, well, first of all, the Academy's name is Back Off, which I keep hearing like little Charlie McGee saying, back off, back off. Um, But also like the scene where they are trying to convince Charlotte to play with Lizzie at the contest, you know, there's, it's just, she is saying no, and they are pushing and pushing and pushing. And Lizzie is too, because she's still a part of that world, which it just, it casts everything in a much darker light. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, everything is is done for appearances and for the betterment of this group because you've been, I mean, in a way, this is very much a cult situation, right? Like it's a Mm -hmm. cult masquerading as a professional organization that is legitimized by the popularity of its white affluent, uh, I was going to say showrunner, but I guess like director or something. Mm Mm-hmm. I do want to put a bit of a wrinkle in this because, and I've gotten into trouble for this because we covered the perfection, as I mentioned, on Horror Queers, and we did Mm -hmm. end up getting feedback from a survivor of sexual assault who felt like we didn't go deep enough into unpacking some of the nuances of this. And I I think Mm. we were probably a bit glib at the time because we just loved the film so much. But one of the Mm -hmm. things that struck me on reflection is that Anton is also a survivor of sexual assault if you care to pick up on his insinuation that anyone who has gone through this quote-unquote perfection in order to play Mm -hmm. in this church that they have in the the basement anyone who fails to achieve the perfection is put through a sexual assault so that means Mm -hmm. that he was sexually assaulted by either his father or the people who were running the academy the same as theus and the same as jeffrey the other two sexual assaulters Mm mm-hmm yeah and just hearing him talk about the legacy of the school you are just born and raised in this world and it's hard to see outside of it and not to excuse anything that he does. One thing I do think is interesting and that I noticed on this watch is that they are not like, they're specifically looking for female students. Oh yes. Yeah. 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 And young. And young. Yes. But they also mentioned that Thais and the other teacher, Jeffrey, Jeffrey. Yes. That they were both students there too. So we know that there have been male students, and I guess you could insinuate that, yes, they have been. If they were not sexually abused, they were at least emotionally abused and probably Mm -hmm. physically abused also. So, yes, they are. And it's just that cycle of abuse that repeats itself. Exactly. Yeah, like there's very clearly grooming that is going on. And that's kind of how I read Paloma. Like, I've never even realized that she's Anton's wife. I just think of her as another member of this kind of nefarious group but Mm -hmm. the one that i caught up on this time was the really damning comment that lizzie makes which is oh well you know anton loves to just i I can't remember the exact language but she insinuates that he'll go to small towns or he'll go to Mm -hmm. far off locations and it's clear that he uses his power and his privilege to lure people from low-income or disenfranchised backgrounds with the Mm -hmm. promise that he will make them famous. He will give them this life. They get to board at the academy, and it's such a privilege. And it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, because you are literally just recruiting women that you can sexually assault. Well, Mm -hmm. that's a, not to get too, not to belabor too sobering a point, but it is pretty common for serial 
child molesters to kind of target children from broken homes, um, yes. children from lower income families, because they'll often bribe them with gifts, with spending time with them, with taking the places their parent, you know, they're often single parent might not be able to take them. So yeah, mm -hmm. this is sort of that writ large in the, mm -hmm. the glamorous setting of, of a you know, private school for, for talented musicians. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the grooming is, it's a very clear cut case of grooming, like very on the nose because you literally like have a tattoo. And when mm -hmm. he has um, Zhang Li come down to watch the concert, he's like, oh, no, 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 she's not ready for this, you know, which she hasn't been groomed enough is what he's saying. Like she is not right. ready to accept this, this level of abuse that I have raised you to be ready to accept, you know. Mm hmm. Which is funny, right? Because one of the one of the things that we have to accept for the second twist, the one that Gina mentioned, where Lizzie attacks Charlotte in her house, and then it's revealed later on, oh, this is the moment of realization where Lizzie realized, because I don't have a hand, I am therefore no longer of value, which is such a like gross ableist commentary on what Anton would perceive, right? Like the mm -hmm. idea that you've got this masterful young woman who is a super talent who you can't find anything to do at this mm -hmm. academy anymore. You're like, oh, okay, well, we see mm -hmm. your commentary on disability there. But, you know, this twist, the only way for us to go along with it is this sad realization that she was never loved. Like, she was mm -hmm. groomed. She bought into it. I mean, it's scary because it means that Charlotte's trick of making her chop off her own hand worked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's a whole... I mean... I do want to talk about Charlotte and what she does, but yeah, it is that heartbreaking moment of just kind of reframing the past, what, 15 years of your life, maybe mm -hmm. not that long, but like that you thought that you were special and you, they are raising them up to think that they are doing something that is like otherworldly, you know? And that's one of the things that I love the most about this movie is that the first time I watched it, I thought that behind the door was going to be some kind of like, Lovecraftian thing or something. I don't I know what too. I thought it was going to yes. be. But I love the moment where Charlotte says it was just rape. You know, it wasn't mm -hmm. any lofty thing. It wasn't nope. like they are not like it's just sick people raping you, you know, and yeah. that's all it is. And that is so hard to accept and so hard to wrap your head around that like this didn't mean anything. It all mm -hmm. it meant was that they were abusing me, you know. Well, and I'm curious, so when the two of you reflect on that, how did you feel about it? Because on my first watch, I was actually disappointed. And then I had to take a step back and reconcile like, oh, so you wanted it to be a monster because mm -hmm. or like you wanted it to be a god or some kind of false idol yeah. that they were worshiping. And it made me realize I wanted that not just because I thought it would be more interesting visually, but because it's really fucking sobering to realize that this is all just men who want to rape. Yeah. I was like, oh, I don't like that. I don't want to watch this. Right. I didn't want Anton to be the monster. I wanted Anton to be serving another monster and a victim of that monster, which right. I mean, like what you were saying earlier, we could still make that argument. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. yeah, I felt that way too. And then but I was so kind of blown away by just the baldness of that statement. Like, no, it was just rape. And this yeah. is 
kind of at the beginning of, you know, I write about this a lot and I talk about this kind of stuff a lot, but this was kind of early on and when I was actually saying that word and hearing that word a lot. And I think Mm -hmm. it's a shocking word if you're not used to hearing it. And I love that it is just so clearly stated. It's like, no, this was rape. That's what they did. Yeah, I I think when I I'm trying to remember when I first watched, I don't think I necessarily had any expectations that that there was something otherworldly going on. But as I mean, I don't even know if satisfying is the right word to use at the end because mm-hmm. in order to in order to get their revenge, they still had to mutilate themselves. Yeah. Yes. Which I think is to me at least. Now, admittedly, I have not seen Promising a Woman, but I know how it okay. ends. Mm-hmm. And right. I feel like that the way this movie ended is much more powerful than than what I than how I understand promising a woman to have ended, where you know the only way they could free themselves is to literally hurt themselves, is to maim mm-hmm. themselves in some way. It's sort of like you know when like an, an animal is caught in a trap, they have to chew their own foot off. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's basically, that's literally what they had to do in order to free themselves. They had to, well, okay, you know, it was not Lizzie's choice, which is, you know, yeah. it, it makes Charlotte a, I, I wouldn't call her a hero. Yeah. Because as yeah. you say, she went a little hard to, to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to quote unquote, yeah. to quote unquote, free Lizzie and, and get her to understand what was really happening and, you know, what she was experiencing. But this yeah. was the only way they could free themselves was to make it so they physically could not play their instrument anymore. Yeah. Well, I think I think that, but also in a way, I'm, I'm circling back to what Jen was saying, where it's like women presented as both beautiful, but then, you know, just as likely to shit themselves on a bus. Like it, it makes them more human. And in mm-hmm. a way, I almost like this as a statement on, I am not your perfect fucking girl that you want mm-hmm. to sexually assault. And I mean, it's a sad commentary on the state of the world where it's like, oh, well, if you lose a hand, then you're not a pretty girl anymore, or you're not mm-hmm. a worthy cellist or something like that. But then I think that's also where the power of that final image comes in, because not mm-hmm. only have they then proceeded to mutilate Anton in American Mary boxing Helena kind of directions. <laughs> yeah, he's basically he's basically like a human planter by the end. There's like almost nothing left of him. <laughs> More or less, yeah. Like he will never be able to hurt anyone in his current state. Yeah. But then the two women come together, as we saw them do in the fight scenes, but in this case, they come together to form a complete person who still has the capacity to make this beautiful music. And I mean, I think it's it's fucked up on some regards because it sort of suggests like oh well they're not individuals anymore like they can only function as a pair and i Mm -hmm. think that's a weirdly ableist comment as well but as a powerful female image i think it's sexy and it's empowering and it just gives me like strong fuck yeah vibes Oh, yeah. Yeah. The moment that always makes me cry when I watch this, and I say always, like I have seen this movie 20 times, but it just is such a striking moment for me is when the word duet comes on the screen. Yeah. And it just, I, I just love it. And that that final image is so powerful for me. And I think, 
I read the mutilation, I think, in a sl- slightly different way. I think I have a scar phobia, and I think a lot mm. of it comes from like scars are physical markers of pain, you know? Right. And so when you're talking about something like sexual assault, most of that trauma is internal, and most of the scars that you carry are emotional scars or mental scars. And I think women, especially, I don't want to say just women. I think survivors or victims of sexual assault are socialized to hide that and to not Mm -hmm. let it show. And they even say, like, play through the pain. And so I think when I look at the fact that Lizzie had to cut her hand off to escape and that Charlotte ends up with a very similar injury, I think I read that as, like, this is what it looks like on the inside. Like if the outside Mm. of my body looked like the harm that you have caused me, this is what it looks like. And so when I see them coming together, I see them kind of like wearing their scars, like literally on their sleeve, you know, and saying we are like the moment when she takes her wig off also. Yeah. I'm not quite sure what to make about the electroshock therapy thing, but mm-hmm. like just that moment of like, and it's when the music changes, when they start playing their own music. And it's just so, I read it as so empowering. And like, we are going to come together in a new way and support each other with who we are now and say that who we are now can still be beautiful, even right. though we have survived all of this fucked up shit, you know? Mm-hmm. If I can lighten the mood for a moment, I, I just, pay, <laughs> every time I, every time I, uh, well, I mean, I've only seen this movie twice, but I, I, I did think the same thing the second time watching it. Like, let's assume that because one thing we didn't mention is one one little twist that I liked in this movie is it sets up that you're going to assume that Lizzie and Charlotte are going to be rivals because mm-hmm. Lizzie yeah. is essentially Charlotte's replacement. Uh, mm-hmm. But they basically just, you know, they're like into each other like immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they right like, away. They like hook up like that night and, uh-huh. and it seems like they might end up being a couple. And and uh-huh. I'm wondering, are they going to stay a couple after this? And like, will every now and then where they fight, can you know, Lizzie bring up that Charlotte made her cut off her hand? <laughs> <laughs> you know uh-huh. what? It's your turn to do the dishes. Yeah, well, I didn't get my hand fucking cut off. <laughs> Exactly. I cut off my hand so I can't. It's like, oh, you're going to throw that in my face again? (laughs) (laughs) Every time, yeah, every time I get annoyed with Corey, I'm like, I gave you two kids. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Gina, since you brought it up, can we talk about the cello sex? (laughs) Sure. Let's talk about the sex. I mean, we are talking about erotic thrillers. Oh, my gosh. Okay. The way that this is shot, first of all, that cello piece is stunning. And mm-hmm. I love, like, I would be just enthralled just watching the two of them play on that stage. But the fact that they cut it with this, like, clandestine kiss in the stairwell and then mm-hmm. this, like, them dancing and this rave and it's all, like, so choreographed. And then, then at the end, when she is climaxing and you see Anton clap, but he's silent and you just hear her, like, moaning and panting. Yeah. It's just, oh, my God, it's amazing. Well, and I love that the movie codes it as slightly illicit because, of course, their their flirting begins over this shared voyeurism of watching the adulterous parents 
watching mm-hmm. the performance that they're judging. So I love that it kind of says, ooh, this isn't something that should happen. This is kind of naughty. And then mm-hmm. you see these two actresses and they're like, they're both really committed to these performances, not just here, mm-hmm. throughout the whole film. Like Williams and Browning are kind of fearless throughout this mm-hmm. film, but they also have such fucking good chemistry together and yeah the way Shepard shoots it it's very sexy it's very hot I think actually the part you mentioned Jen where they steal that kiss in the alley Mm -hmm. is the hottest part of it for me because Mm -hmm. it feels so natural like you're so into somebody you can't even wait to go somewhere you just have to pull them aside and kiss them Mm -hmm. and the fact that they're both gorgeous is uh, and wearing these just stunning dresses too it's just the icing on the cake mm-hmm. yeah i mean the costuming oh gosh it's it's amazing even paloma i even like what she's wearing even though I don't <laughs> even that paloma bit she's wearing great right. clothes <laughs> yeah the moment where she's like yeah she she was so drugged up we stabbed her and she didn't even know that kind of like <laughs> that is her character you know uh, yeah i i will say just because we're kind of coming up to the the end but I also want to give a shout out to the way the finale is shot in terms of the fight with Anton between the two women. Initially, again, I was kind of underwhelmed because we didn't get to see most of it because once again, we're through the perspective of Charlotte and she gets either hit in the head or she's just kind of out of it at this point. Mm-hmm. I do like how the the way it's shot suddenly changes where you've got that kind of almost that weird sort of camera where it's like kind of moving with her yeah the body cam type yeah i i, th- I found that kind of disorienting and mm-hmm. and fascinating at the same time and then that stops as soon as she like falls on the floor mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then i will say the knife through the arm Ooh. Ooh. Oh, i man. feel that so mm-hmm. much like this movie is really visceral on a lot of different mm-hmm. levels you know i feel the intimacy i feel the barfing and the shitting but this mm-hmm. one just i don't think i've ever been able to look at the screen the entirety of the time i have to turn away because it feels so real uh-huh oh and just like putting it in and then like ripping it down it's just mm-hmm Oh, when, when he's got like a giant cleaver in his neck too yeah. yeah but it just comes and goes like that because it just feels like a completely different movie than the movie mm-hmm. that we watched on the bus but they're but like spiritually connected you know like it doesn't it's jarring in the way it's intended to be jarring you know mm-hmm. and then there's also the moment the other moment that always gets me is when um when when Lizzie is about to assault Charlotte with um her fist. Yep, yep. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, that was a point where I was like where I was think watching the movie, I'm like, holy shit, how'd this get on Netflix? <laughs> I know. I was like, are they gonna go there? Like when she just like starts walking up to her and just like menacingly unwrapping that bandage, just like, oh mm-hmm. my god, <laughs> what is going on? And then and then they kiss. Yeah, and we don't shy away. Like, we see that stump go under the dress. Uh-huh. We're not fucking around here. Ooh. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I will say, but one of the most disturbing moments from, like, the sexual assault perspective, though, is how there's, like a tilt to the chair that they've manufactured. So, mm-hmm. like, they can string you up and then just have easy access. And you're like... 
that is so calculated. This is presented as a church, a kind of religious performance. And it's just like, oh, and then we introduce this thing so that we can fucking desecrate everything with mm. our quote unquote pleasure. As, you know, gruesome and potentially triggering as material, isn't it? I, I think that it's worth watching a second time because there are so many little details like in, mm-hmm. in, the, in like the costume design and the way things are set up. And it's, this, it's, it's basically a very elegant torture chamber. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I found myself wondering on this watch, like who made that chair and what mm-hmm. did the design, like the intentional design going into that? Because you have to know what you're doing. You know, right. there's no reason a cello player would need to recline, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which I also want is slightly related, but I want to give a shout out to the actress who plays young Charlotte because that scene when she is playing for Anton and she makes that mistake and you can just mm. see it on her face. And then there's like that really pregnant pause. And then his hand just touches her arm. It just, it's so chilling, especially because yeah. we just saw this turn from Anton. Yeah. So you're talking about Molly Grace. Molly Grace. Charlotte. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like we could go on about a lot of small components of this film and just how carefully it's put together and how well crafted it is. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's really easy for people to say, oh, this is exploited. This is kind of schlocky. It's leaning into the bad characteristics of genre by trying to shock you. And I really feel like those people are missing the finer intricacies of just how well crafted this is. Like you may not agree with the the story it's telling or the way it's doing it, but this is a really fucking well-made film. I completely agree. Yeah. I don't find it exploitative at all. And I say that as a survivor, like I watch this and I find a lot of empowerment. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I, I absolutely agree with you. And, and you, you, you could see a lot of the influences like, you know, Dario Argento, Brian De Palma, mm-hmm. but, but none of it feels like, you, you know how you watch some movies and you see, and you know that the filmmakers were like, yeah, we've seen movies. Here they are. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Let's just take a collection of all the things we love the most and put them into our movie. You're like, okay, right. yeah, we'll just go and watch <laughs> their movies. Here, the influences right. aren't aren't forced. They they all work together right. in a in a really good cohesive way, but that also feels sort of fresh and clever at the same time. Mm. Yeah, yeah, like really. this movie felt like such a breath of fresh air and. I was disappointed that it felt like the chatter on it just immediately dropped off. And even to the point where it came out in February and by the time the end of the year lists were coming together, people had completely forgotten about it. And I was just like, Mm -hmm. this was one of my most exciting films of the year. Like this and Knife Plus Heart came out in 2019. And those Mm -hmm. were my top two films. Yeah, this was at the top of my list too. It's still, I still love it. Yeah love it i thought oh you know now that i know exactly how it's put together i i know all of its secrets it's probably gonna not be as good as i remember and i was like nope this movie still rocks i love it yeah like the themes when i said the seams show like the things i'm kind of referring to was like who put her in that fancy dress like did they make her like just those kind of logical things that i don't really care about because the power of this film i think transcends those tiny details Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could quibble with how it all comes together or how well, right. like, how would Charlotte have known that she would do this, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. we can I ask all those questions, happened. but also I don't care. 
exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she wore that dress because it looks fantastic and it makes the point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, very happy that you asked us to rewatch this Gina because it felt That's long right. overdue. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was I a good, I thought it was a good fit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Perfect for February, the month of love. <laughs> was it perfect for it? Would you say this, mo- this movie is the perfection? It, it is, is the, the perfection. perfection. <laughs> <laughs> Jack uh-uh. fire, get out of here. I know. <laughs> we'll be finding a new, we'll, we'll be finding a replacement co-host. So if anybody yes. is interested, please let yeah, us know. Sadly, this is Jen's last episode. No, uh, no puns allowed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that in mind, Jen, <sighs> as this is your last appearance, how can people find you for when they want to reach out to you later? You can find me at Jen Ferratu on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and all the puns, please do me. Um, and you can also find me co-hosting the Psychoanalysis podcast about horror and mental health. So if you liked what we talked about here, you'll mm. love our show. And yeah. also the, the Losers Club podcast about Stephen King. Yes, for sure. And Gina, what about you? I co-host the Kill by Kill podcast, in which we talk about horror movies, focusing on the characters and the odd little details. Uh, We are just starting to get into both the uh, Alien franchise and the Final Destination franchise, so you can look for us there. And I am on Twitter under Gina Does Things, G-E-N-A Does Things. Nice. Yeah, and if folks want to hear a little bit more from me, you can listen to Horror Queers every Wednesday, and I can be reached at the Stole My Remote on both Twitter and Instagram. And Jen, we have circled back to you. Gina and I have conferred silently, telepathically. <laughs> we'll we'll allow you to redeem yourself with one more pick. So, what do you oh, want yay. us to watch in March? Well, we are going to watch a movie that I was obsessed with as a child and have not watched in a long time. So I'm really curious to see how it stands up. Uh, We are going to watch The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I'm so excited. I love Rebecca DeMornay and I cannot wait to (laughs) watch a movie with her again. (laughs) Well, I love the fact that she came up earlier in the episode, too. I was like, I know this is fate. (laughs) I know. Yes, it's perfect. All right. So folks, yes, stick with us. We will be back in March to talk about the hand that rocks the cradle. And until then, make sure that you're subscribing and rating the Anatomy of a Scream pod squad, who is generous enough to, of course, host white ladies in crisis. So until then, don't accept Mm. a seemingly perfect offer to go to a cello academy. Right. Do not. If it seems like it's too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah, in that case, it is not the perfection. No, no, <laughs> it's not perfection. Also, don't <laughs> cut your hand off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, keep or maybe do. Away from I don't worms. know. I'm not sure where we landed on that, but yeah. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Anatomy of a Scream, Pod Squad.